What up? Podcast peeps. <laughs> Don always makes me remember that. Fun of me for that, so. We are here. You know. We are here. We are heavy. We made it. We made it. Um, yeah, I think uh, this, buckle your seatbelts. This is going to be a, this is going to be a tough one for sure. I think um, we are both feeling it collectively. We are feeling it um, with what's going on in the world. Um, so yeah, we're here to kind of share what's going on. I think the thing that I really want to do is highlight like TJ and your story and um, what it's like being a biracial man in this country and what you've experienced. I know on Sunday you shared a very raw um, video on Facebook Live and um, ugh, it makes me emotional just thinking about it, but I think it was such Come a on. great... <laughs> Don't do that. Don't want to get too emotional today. Um, it was such a beautiful... Um, God, it was just so vulnerable and real of what you've experienced in your life. And um, I think for so many people, it really helped them to connect with what's going on in our world. I think as white people, we can be detached from it all. We, I, I know for me personally, last week, I chose to ignore what was going on. I chose to ignore what happened to George like I kind of just let it be like a fleeting thought and I think for me it's I know that's because I'm white and I'm privileged and it doesn't affect me but what you shared on Sunday now obviously I'm married to you for 10 years so I've, I've connected to this a lot more but I think what it did for other people was gave them a person a human and a connection and helped them to see what life must be like and why people are so angry and why this revolution is happening. So I would love for you to touch on it on here for those that did not see your Facebook live. If you didn't, you can totally go on Facebook and find TJ and watch it. I think if you're white, it would be very beneficial for you too. Um, and if you're black, because I feel like you spoke, um, so beautifully in that way. Um, for all people of color. Um, so yeah, kind of want to open it up like that and like let you speak and share. And I think maybe start with what it, what your life has been like as a biracial man. Yeah. Gosh, that's so loaded. I know, but I... there's so much there. Um, you know, I want to hit on something you said, uh, a minute ago, like you, you know, we've been married obviously now 10 years. And, and so you've been very much exposed to my world and, and you've been forced in a lot of ways, you've been forced to have to look at yourself and how you've contributed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think what people don't see behind the scenes is that like it, even last week, like it wasn't. It wasn't all like easy for just because you've had the experience for 10 years. Like there's still deep seated like privilege within there. And, you know, I wanted to hit on that first. I guess we'll, I, I wanted to start there first because it I think that's important because that's real. Because last week, you know, as I said in my the, the first part of my video on Facebook, now that if you've 
if you are seeing this podcast on Instagram, the full video isn't on Instagram. There's only 15 minutes of it. It's a 22 minute video. Um, and so, but in the beginning of that video, um, you know, I talked a little bit more, I went into a little bit more depth on, on kind of my experience. Um, but something you said there, we, I grieved, like I was in, I was, I know I've done now so much inner work for the last 21 years. Like I have been trying, I've been on a quest to heal generational wounds and wounds within myself that I've had. Um, and so this has been 21 years of me doing the inner work and healing. But, you know, you said that, you know, just with your privilege of not being like, you can turn it off. And I was in a state of grieving um, last week because it, it, it was just everything. Like, it was the Amy Cooper situation. Like, her just literally, like, just blatantly racial, like, using race to her advantage. Um, and that's something that's so learned and, you know, was so hard for me because there was times I knew that you... I'm grieving and I know how to grieve now because I've done all the inner work. That's where I was going with like, I've been doing the inner work for 21 years. And so I know when I'm in a state of grieving and what to do. Like I know that I need movement. I know that I need meditation. I know that I need breath work. I know that I need to write. I know that I need to center myself around gratitude. I know how to be angry with purpose now. And what was so hard for me was being so aware that I was in a state of grieving, but you were still not fully getting it. Mm -hmm. Even after 10 years of you've been directly affected by race, by being married to me, like it has opened up your eyes in ways that regular white people don't get the, honestly, like don't get to see and experience. Like mm -hmm. I remember you coming home one day in Rochester and th about the comment you know, she was at a, at a grocery store in, in, in a grocery store with our two boys. Um, and one of our boys looks literally identical to me. He's, he's my, my, my twin. Um, and our other boy, he, he looks like he's white. Um, I mean, light skinned, he gets very tender in the summer, but he's light skinned, blonde hair. Um, and the woman said they're 14 months apart. So they look like they're, you know, they could be twins, like the same age. But the woman asked you if they were from two different fathers. And I remember you coming home just so sad because it was like one of the first times that you like verbally heard like racial, like it was racial. Like, yeah. and she said, because he looks like he's dark or something like. He, you he know? had curly, like black hair. Like oh, yeah. Curly, I, I don't remember what word she used, but his hair is curly and he's got darker skin, like something like to those lines yeah and it was like your first time like just seeing like oh wow like this yeah people focus on this mm -hmm. and this is and it's subtle but yeah. it's it's there and yeah. and I think like it's it, it was hard and I, I struggled with it because even from you I'm like well damn like we're married like you've been exposed to this like you've seen people stare at us in certain parts of Georgia you've watched people like follow me around stores and not follow anyone else around stores. Like, how can you not see that this is so hard? And I remember feeling that last week at one point, like feeling like, 
fuck, even in my own home, like you still don't get it. Mm -hmm. And it was hard for me not to be frustrated with you. But I, at the same time, I was like, okay, like I'm not going to take this as personal because there's work still to be done that you need to do. And Mm -hmm. I remember you coming out of the shower and coming down and just like, you were so broken because you saw your white privilege and you were able to express it and recognize it and see like, I need to hold space for you right now. And I think that's what like, it was good for me to hear because I felt like, okay, there's hope. Like there's still growth, but there's hope. And I'm so grateful for you because I felt like you're an ally for me and everyone else in the black community that has felt this, that no matter how many conversations we have, no matter how much we do, no matter how much it's in your face, it still seems like people still don't get it. Yeah. And I felt that with you last week, but it was then so comforting to know, like, oh, okay, like, conscious people, like, it can happen. Yep. And I know that it wouldn't, that moment that you came down and apologized for, honestly, for your white privilege, like, in realizing the, the naivete, I don't know how you say it, um, <laughs> Naivety, naivete, whatever, however you say that. My naiveness. Um, yeah, your naiveness. <laughs> um, that you were able to come around. And I think that's so much of like what I want to focus this conversation around is because you've done the inner work. Yeah. Because you have personally invested in understanding like you have work to do personally in your, your you need to be introspective. Like you have gone introspective mm-hmm. to confront the the areas of yourself that are weak that are prejudiced that are that are subtle in the way that you view people of color and i think like that because being biracial like i as i said on my facebook post like i think i have a unique perspective in in not that like i'm anything special but like because i've been racially profiled as black and as white Mm-hmm. I have been racially, like I've had racial things said to me as if I'm white and as if I'm black. I've had black people say racial comments to me. I've, mm-hmm. I've, I've heard the honky. I've heard the you're not black. Like I've heard the don't act like you're one of us. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, I've heard the everything that comes from white people. Nigger. I've heard Negro. I've heard Niger. I've heard... Honky, I mean, uh, uh, um, uh, coon, I've heard blackbird, I've, everything under the sun from every other white person that could come up with something. Like, I've, I've experienced all of that from white people as well. Yeah. And, and then the subtlety of people making racial comments, like racial jokes, subtle racial comments in both crowds... Well, you're not you're not fully black, so you can handle this. Or you're not fully white, so you can handle this. And I think that's what's shaped my views and shaped like where I come from and and why at the core of what I see here is it's a fundamental human problem. Like mm-hmm. we as humans have such a hard time of confronting ourselves and where do we need to grow? Because it's hard to look at yourself and it's hard to look at yourself and say, there's areas that I need to grow in mm-hmm. and I can't blame it on this person. I can't blame it on that person. And I think that's the key to me is 
Stop blaming it on the way that you grew up. Stop blaming it on the fact that, well, I didn't grow around, I didn't grow up around black people. Well, I only grew up around what my parents taught me. That's fine, but it's your fucking responsibility. Yeah. Like, it's your responsibility as a human being. Figure out who you want to be. Mm-hmm. Like, who do you want to represent? What are the values that you want to represent as a human being? Yeah. Period. And if you're not willing to go and look introspectively and deal with those things, that's the problem. Like, that's the issue. Because then what happens is every single one of us is going to experience stress and, and experiences stress in our lives, period. Every single one of us. Those little things, those little seeds that were planted over the years that don't get dealt with, when you and you're, you are in a situation where you are triggered in some way by something, you are going to cling to those small little biases and you are going to attack. Mm-hmm. When your nervous system goes into a state of fight or flight, you are either going to fight for your life or you are going to flee. Mm-hmm. most of the time you are going to fight because you are not in mortal danger. And so the ways that you're going to fight are by fighting back with your words, with your attitudes, with your actions. That, for me, is at the core and the center of all of this. Yeah. Yes, there is. And these, this is so much layers to what's going on right now. Yes, our system needs to change, period. Mm-hmm. Like, if that is an argument by anybody at this point, you're, I'm sorry, like you're stupid you're ignorant you're ignorant you are so ignorant if you don't think that our systems need to change completely ignorant and you've been hiding under a rock and you are so prideful that i don't know how you function in the world to be completely honest with you and you don't have a heart if you don't see that there's so much wrong with our system and our legal system like it's it's disgusting like there's so much out there now that there is so much yeah but I think where the racial stuff comes from, yes, it is. It is bred in our history. Mm-hmm. It is bred in our history. It has been around for centuries, yeah. 400 years. Like, let's go back even further than that. It is well within our history and it has been perpetuated continually. But I think it's a symptom of a deeper human problem of us not going and doing the internal work. Yeah. And getting to the heart of where these things come from. And so we cling to these outward things, yeah. right? Like race, because it's been in our history, well, that's something that we're going to cling to, yeah. right? Like that's what has been perpetuated for generations and generations and generations. So I think it's, it's, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure, more, but it's, it's such a heart issue. Yeah. It's such a heart problem. Um, and I think I, I say that with such deep conviction because of my experience getting... In feeling it from both sides, yeah. not just as a person of color, but also being labeled white as well. Yeah, um, because there is I, I've I, I've been in areas that are predominantly black and, and African American, and I like I've feared for my safety yeah. because I've had people yelling at me because I've had people get in my face. Yeah, I've been jumped in a predominantly black area. Yeah. Like, I was jumped by four four guys, smashed with a lead pipe over my head. Like, I had to fight them off. Yeah. 
because I looked more white. Right? Well, I like, think too, I, I would love for you to touch on that. Like there's something you talked about in your video that I thought was so powerful was not being like as humans, we want to be seen, loved and heard. And you talked about when before you were even born, one of your family members wanted you to be aborted because they didn't want your mom to have. I don't want to say the word and and a ba- an n baby um and you know I think something you I would love for you to touch on that trauma because I think what you spoke about in the video was so like eloquent and and impactful because you talk about how from before you were even conceived you weren't wanted now your mother obviously fought for you and like she didn't Said, care Hell no. yeah I'm she didn't care me. and she was having you and she's been such a light for you um and has, has literally fought for you um so but I would love for you to touch on that of that trauma of not feeling heard loved and seen by a society like yes you you felt it from your mom but as a society, you, you weren't accepted. And I think it's something that is so powerful and something I don't fully understand. But it's like, yeah, if you could just touch on that and what that must have felt like and then how it's played out into your life, how it played out into your life and then how like, how you've overcome, I don't even want to say overcome it, but how you've learned to just work kind of through work through it. Yeah, Um Yeah, so, sorry, I gotta take a deep breath on that one. Um, Yeah, this, like I said, like, this has been a journey for me since I was 16 years old. Um, And at 16, let me start there. At 16, I made a vow because of all that I felt growing up. I made a vow that it was gonna stop with me. That the generational wounds and the generational sins on both sides of my family, and I say generational wounds and generational sins with very much like very clear intentional, like in in very intentional way, because there is, I believe generational sin, I believe generational wounds are passed down. And I specifically remember exactly where I was and I remember bawling my eyes out and making a vow that it stopped with me. Mm -hmm. I was not going to allow my kids in the next generation to carry the burden of the generational wounds that I had carried around and the generational sins that I had carried around. Um, and so, yeah, you know, I have, it's, this has been a 21 year journey of me working through this pain through therapist, through my own study, through my own self healing through my own counselors, um, literally thousands, you've watched me, thousands of hours that I've spent listening to Audible books, to podcasts, to videos, to then the thousands of hours and hundreds of books I've read and studied and done my healing and, and continue to do my healing. And what I've found at the core is that every human being, when we come into this world as a child, 
our biggest needs, our most important needs are to feel seen, heard, and loved. Mm. And from day one, I knew, I, I knew intuitively, like as a young kid, I didn't, I never felt, and I, I know never is a strong word. Yes, there was glimpses. Yes, my mother fought her ass off for me and fought to give me a better life. I watched her work two and three jobs. I've scrubbed, I have scrubbed fucking toilets with my mom in her second job. I've been on my hands and knees and scrubbed toilets. So I know my mom did everything she could to give me everything she could. I know my father did everything that it was in his power to give me a better life in how he knew. But I also, despite that, grew up never feeling seen, heard, or loved. And I know the reason why is because I had experienced so much trauma from day one. And I'm not gonna go into all the details. And that's why I highlighted just one, one instance of that family, couple of family members that said they did not want my mother to have me. And they went to, not only my mother, but they went to my father as well and asked him to convince my mother. And thank God both of them had the, the guts and had the strength to stand up for themselves because my mother was 16 at the time, my father was 20. And my mother tells me stories of my father, not, she doesn't remember a day in high school that he did not have to fight, honestly, for survival because every single day there was someone else that called him a nigger. And she said she never remembers a day that my father did not have to fight for him and his sisters and his brother and himself because of that. And then here I am coming into the world in this situation. And as a kid, you feel that. And being in sports, it was like the only time that I ever felt like really truly seen and heard and loved. Because I was, I was, a, I, and I, I, if you know me, you know I don't like talking about myself in this way, but I've, I've, have grown and I'm embracing it. Um, I was a very, very talented athlete. Um, I had very natural, and I worked hard for it as well, but I had a lot of athletic ability. Um, and I was looked up to in that way. And sports was the only place that I ever felt that I was accepted, to be completely honest with but you. But yet it still wasn't... Like, there still was racism in... 100%. Yeah. I remember as a, as a kid playing football and playing other sports for the first time. I, I remember hearing nigger. Um, I specifically remember after being tackled on uh, when, I was a, when I was a kid, and I never talked about it. Um, and, you know, if you've ever played football, if there's guys out there that have, you know, played football, you know that this happens... Um, you know, underneath the pile, a lot of dirty stuff happens after you get tackled. Guys poking your eyes, guys grabbing your genitals, guys pinching you, guys punching you um, because it's covered. You know, you're in a pile of people and so they can get away with it without the ref seeing. But I remember so many times being spit on, being called nigger. I remember being grabbed in the genitals and being like someone like, you know, trying to grab and pull and, and tear and 
twist um, all in the name of racism. Um, I remember being hit. Uh, I remember when I, you know, I moved high schools in my freshman year and, and um, my freshman year, I remember uh, I got called up to varsity and I remember this one specific practice the beginning of the year, I was new to the team, new to the town. And uh, I remember the coach asked me to run a play. I juked this senior linebacker, I'll never forget this, etched in my etched in my head, juked this guy, the, um, got past him, and mind you, I was a freshman, I was about 120 pounds, I was playing running back, and here is this senior, I think he was a junior or senior starting linebacker, completely juked him, broke his ankles, um, went past him, went past the, the first team defense, and um, coach ripped them apart. Next play, coach says, run the same play. Obviously, you know what's gonna happen. The kid tackles me, we're on the ground, face mask to face mask, and he said, if you ever fucking do that again, nigger, I will kill you. And I just remember welcome, like, here we go again. Like, here I am again, um, my own team. And, you know, it was just a continual cycle of that growing up where fundamentally I just never felt seen, heard, or loved. And I remember that's why at 16 I said, like, I don't know what I need to do. And And at that time, like, I didn't know the steps. I didn't know how to get there. But I knew that I needed healing and I knew that I was going to be the only one that could lead me there and figure that out um, and so that sent me on a quest at 16 to do what whatever I knew at that time to figure out how how do I get to a place where I feel loved um, and it's sad but at that time at 16 I knew that it wasn't going to come from anyone outside of me because I had already experienced that I, as again, as much as my parents did as best as they could, but I knew that I, I wasn't going to feel it coming from anybody else other than myself. Mm-hmm. Like I needed to find that from within and that's where that quest like set off. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question, but. No, I think it totally does. I think one the other thing I was thinking about was, the story of you in high school and there was, um, I don't, I, you'll have to tell the story, but like a girl was sexually assaulted or was that mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. And then you weren't even there, but the, like two of the two black guys got you and one other kid got accused of it. There was, oh, there was more, there was more kids. There was five of us. Um, but another situation that your color came into play. And yeah. again, you felt that, here I go, like, here, here it goes go. again. Like, and you were kicked off the team. And, like, it was a huge, huge news media story that went through all throughout your town and the surrounding towns. And, you know, it, the details of it don't really matter. But I think what I want to show people is that you have continually had to fight this fight from very from before like being born all the way to now here we are and you talked about in your video on Facebook that you don't go out and run you you wear you don't wear headphones when you run anymore because you it started because you were afraid for your safety now it's become like meditative for you but I just want to showcase that, though. Like, you've been experiencing this shit for 30 
your seventh, 38. 38 years. And I think one of the things that was so powerful that you shared is like, you're just one story. So no wonder collectively people of color are pissed off. No wonder. No wonder what happened with George Floyd. And I don't even want to say the lady's name in New York, but the lady that was at the park and saying, I'm going to call the cops. An African-American male is attacking me. And the guy's like 10 yards from her, maybe even more. Like, no wonder there's this uprising. Like, you guys, you people of color have been going through this for so long. And the fight is so... Like the trauma that you experience and like it's just constant day after day after day. You're reminded of your color and that you're not accepted, that you're not loved by a society, like collectively. And I think, yeah, I just I just want to showcase that because I think as a white person, I I didn't get it. And as we said, like last week, again, I found myself being privileged in this way that I can shut it off. I can shut it off. I can choose to not be aware of it and then go for a walk and know that I'm safe. Like, that's a privilege that I have. But I think it helps to understand. And, and, And for me, like, I've been married to you for 10 years, so... It's like you said, it's been in my face. Like I, we've get, been to restaurants and I've gotten, we've gotten looks like yeah. it's, it's threaded and it's, it's been in our life since we've been married. Um, but I think it just like, yeah, no wonder people are pissed off. Like no wonder there is this revolution going on because enough is enough. Like yeah. when are we going to see humans for humans? Which goes into the police brutality and like the the police officer that held George Floyd down, like the three. You did this to another human. Yeah. Like when are we gonna see each other connected as human beings? Like and I think that's what like is so powerful is for me, like I've had to firsthand experience it, or not firsthand, secondhand. It would be secondhand mm-hmm. experienced it through you. But there's so many white people that don't have that, I don't want to say, priv- like, have that privilege of, of having it in their face. Like, I don't even say it's a privilege. It's a, they, they don't, they have to choose to see it. Whereas you were kind of forced in some yeah. ways to see it, right? Like, yeah. And I think that's, you know, that's the thing. And, and I think that's, you know, a couple of things I wanted to touch on that you just said. Like, it's, first, like, you've had 10 years. Mm-hmm. And it's still something that you have to work on. Mm-hmm. It's still something that you have to put in the effort. Yeah. You have to be conscious yeah. about. And you still struggle with it. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I want to say to white people out there is after 10 years of every day you being exposed to it, you still have to do the work. Yeah. It doesn't stop. It doesn't stop with just this. Yeah. It doesn't stop with the Black Lives Matter when a, a, an atrocity comes out like this. It has to be every day. Yeah. It has to be every day. You have to engage in it every day to break down 
what you have been bred into. Mm -hmm. Yours were very subtle. It was a learning to lock your door when a black man walks by the car. That was learned when you were younger. Looking at another, when you drive through a black neighborhood to don't look anywhere. Mm -hmm. That's a learned behavior that you've had to break down. You've been able to put on blinders. That's a learned behavior Mm -hmm. that you've had to break down. And so I think for the white people out there, like you need to understand like this isn't a one and done. You have to educate. That's why I said like talk to people. Ask them questions about their experience because you need to feel it viscerally. Mm -hmm. And you will not feel it viscerally until you get to fully experience the emotion and the hurt and the pain of what another human soul goes through. Mm -hmm. I want to say that first. The other thing that you said and you touched on is what is going on right now? And I said this in the in the Facebook video that I wanted to get across. And, I, and, and this is where I want to speak to people of color right now. Because this is something that we, as a people of color, we don't talk about enough. Mm-hmm. And I think I've been afraid to speak on this because of my biracial background. And because being... Having prejudice towards me with, with people of color as well. I've been afraid to even speak this out of insecurity, but we have healing that needs to happen. And when I say generational wounds, we as people of color, we have so much healing to do. Mm -hmm. So much healing to do. There is so much we need to understand about how the generational wounds that have been passed down to us by no fault of our ancestors, no fault to them. There's a reason why they have wounds. Deep-seated reasons why they have wounds. But it is our responsibility to heal. Heal. And seek out healing. Because I know and I've experienced this firsthand. We do not do a great job of dealing with the trauma that we have experienced. And the ways that it comes out is through anger through violence, through drug and alcohol abuse, at no fault. Again, it has happened to us, but I fully believe that we are responsible to do what we need to do to heal. And what does that, like, what is dealing with it? What does that mean? There is so many layers to that, but it first starts of the awareness of the fucking pain that we have. Mm-hmm acknowledging that we are fucking hurt and having the vulnerability and the courage to express that we are hurt. I cannot tell you since that Facebook group, since that Facebook post, I did not, I was not posting that. Again, I posted it as one person's perspective of a million others. My hope in there was to open the door of conversation in the white community and the black community for both. For us to see like we need to start talking Because I know that in my own family, this stuff is not talked about. It is not talked about. And that's why I said, like, I've gotten so many messages from relatives and from other people of color that have said, thank you for speaking exactly what I felt, but didn't know how to put into words. And look, I I have been an angry black person. I have been an angry black man. I have been in sports. I have physically hurt other kids. 
that called me nigger. I physically hurt them and, and I, have, I am not proud of that, but it's because I didn't know how to deal with the pain and the anger that I felt of not feeling seen, heard, or loved. That is, there has been so many instances where I realized that like that's a problem. Mm-hmm. That's a problem on my side as well, but at the time I didn't know where to put that anger because I knew I was racially profiled, but I didn't know what to do with it. So what do I do? How do I not go back and fight? Like, how do I not fight physically? How do I not fight? And yes, sometimes like I, I had to fight because I was confronted with it. Like yeah. physically I was abused. And so what am I going to do? Like there was times I felt like I couldn't walk away. But we do have the opportunity to. We do have the option to walk away. And for me, what I, what I want to say to, to people of color is there is resources, there is healing, and, and it's why I, I vowed and why I am on such a deep mission to work with men specifically. Because men, it is so hard for us to be vulnerable. And once you get past the layers of anger, frustration, at its core, we are just damn hurt and we are tired. And we don't know how to deal with the hurt and pain that we feel. And it starts by first being, you ask where it starts, and this is what I want to give people. It starts with first acknowledging that you're hurt, that underneath the anger, that underneath the frustration, we're hurt. We're hurt because we have never felt seen, hurt, or loved. And what happens when you don't feel seen, hurt, or loved, you are in a constant state of stress and anxiety, and you are, your nervous system is constantly aroused, where it is constantly operating from a state in a place of stress. And when you are constantly in that state of stress, you are constantly in a state of fight or flight. And when you are constantly living from a state of flight, you are constantly reacting mindlessly from the subconscious places and beliefs that have been formed from when you were a little boy to where you either are gonna fight or run away and hide. And when you either fight, you, you are angry, you hurt other people physically, or when you're in a state of fleeing, you retreat and you cope through pornography, through drug and alcohol abuse, you, you hide through the lens of numbing out on social media, on, on TV, movies, career. career, money, women, sex. That's how you flee. You go one or two ways. You go those one or two ways. The third way is you choose to do the inner work of healing and getting help, seeking help, seeking coaches, seeking therapy. I thankfully, after years, realized that it was time to heal. That's what sent me on this journey of being aware, like, wow, like, I don't want to live in this state of being addicted to pornography. I don't want to, I've seen what drug and alcohol abuse does. I don't want to go down that, that path. I've seen what domestic violence does. I've experienced it firsthand what domestic violence is. I've, I've witnessed it. I've experienced it myself. I've seen it in so many other families. I've seen it expressed in childhood abuse. And adults not knowing where to place it because it's just a repeating of a pattern of subconscious beliefs that have been put into them. 
in the African-American community. It is all over and it's time we talk about it. It's time we expose it because it's not something that we are proud of. It's not something we talk about. What I'm here to say is it's not shameful to talk about. It's because we are hurt. It's because we are in pain. It's because fundamentally we have never felt seen, heard, or loved. And there is another way. And this is where I want conscious leaders in the African-American community to start helping in adding and teaching other African-Americans, people of color, that there is another way to place your anger. There is a different way. There is tools to learn how to deal with that anger and how to deal with that frustration, how to deal with that pain and to come through it so that we can actually bring about like lasting change mm -hmm. that we can pass on to the next generation, where we can have conversations with white people that are constructive, that we can look to be a part of the solution in ways that are actually going to move the needle by being a part of educating ourselves on how does money work? How do, how do we get ahead in life in our careers so that we can be a voice at the table to speak to people in power, to get involved in politics, to get involved in these other communities that we normally wouldn't be able to be, a, be, able to be a part of because we haven't educated ourselves enough mm -hmm. because we're constantly in this state of fight or flight. And so that's what it does. When you deal with the inner healing and you heal yourself internally, you're able to think clearly and you're able to get creative and bring yourself to a position where you can have a seat at the table to really bring about change because it, it is a systemic change that needs to happen. But you can't be at that table when you're constantly coming from a place of anger and fight and frustration. You can't do it that way. Yeah. Because it's just going to continue to perpetuate the cycle and it's going to be passed on to the next generation where they think that that's how we do it. Yeah. We just get angry and we fight and we fight and we fight. But it's got to come from a place of where we can have conversation, where we can actually be a part of the solution by elevating ourselves out of the economic situations that we find ourselves in, that we can have families that are different, where we can contribute, where our kids can be a part of the, 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 the solving of these issues. Mm -hmm. And so it starts first with the awareness and then it starts getting help. It's reaching out. It's having the vulnerability to say, I need, I need, I need help. Yeah. It's opening your mouth. And that's why I'm so passionate about working with men. Again, I focus on men because I think that that's where it needs to start. That men, we have such a hard time of dealing with anger and we express it in, in these toxic ways that we don't even realize that have been passed on to us from generation to generation. And it's, 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 it's having the courage, right? There's a definition of vulnerability that I, I have. My values, and I, I wanna say this, like my values, it, it, it's based on the word value, are vulnerability, authenticity, love, understanding, and energy. And I, I say that because for men, I believe the first step is vulnerability. It's having the vulnerability to express that I need help, that I'm hurt. Just to say, it's so hard. All the conversations that I've gotten into with men, the, the clients that I work with now, like that is the hardest thing for them to open up with. Mm -hmm. And it takes me first making the first step and like being vulnerable with them and saying, yeah, I look like this has been a layer upon layer upon layer that I've had to, I've had to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. I've had to allow myself to be fully seen and say, yeah, I've been addicted to pornography. Yes, I've gotten my security from women. Yes, 
I have physically hurt other people out of anger and frustration. Yes, I have used social media and TV to numb out. Yes, I have been tempted when my kids were two years old to physically abuse them because of what I experienced as a child of experiencing domestic violence. That is not easy for me to say when all I ever wanted was to break the chains and break the cycles with my kids. And then here I am as an adult, as a black father, wanting to physically abuse my kids. That is not easy to admit, but it is fucking real. And it's just a sign. I'm able to not judge myself for it, but to see I have more work. I had more work to do. I've, I, I, and I continue to have more work to do. It starts there for men is to be vulnerable, to have the courage to say I need help and to seek help. Yeah. And that is why I'm so passionate about doing what I do because I think it's, it's I want to see more. I want to see more African-American men seek help mm-hmm. to get help because we are hurt. We are in pain. Yeah. And rightfully so. Yeah. But there's hope for us to deal with those things. Yeah. And I want to I want it to be more known and I'm so grateful because of like I said earlier, I've had people within my family reach out and for the first time say thank you because I've felt that same pain. Yeah. And I'm so grateful that you you had the courage to say it because now it's given me a door to, to express it mm-hmm. and to feel it and to say like, "Oh, I didn't I, I thought I was the only one. I didn't realize you struggled with this. Yeah. And God damn, like how amazing would it have been to have this conversation when I was 15 years old? Mm-hmm. I just think of all the, the trauma that it would have saved me from continuing to experience if I knew that I had another ally that looked like me, mm-hmm. that expressed like, yeah, I felt hurt too, man. Yeah. Like this is hard. And I think that's something like I want to, I want to hold you up and like, Sorry, <laughs> getting emotional. Um, I want to honor you because I think I know after you um, you went live on Sunday, you really felt this like oh shit feeling like oh no, what did I'm gonna I do? Be judged. I'm going to be judged. But I want to honor you that that was so courageous. Like having the courage to be fully seen, and you stepped up and stepped out. That's leading the way, and think about how many doors that's open how many people have now said yeah I felt that too like and I think what you're saying about like men like you just led the way like you really led the way for men to feel safe with you and and to feel like you understand like and so like I just want to I really want to like share that with you that I I'm proud of you for getting on there and and being so vulnerable. I know it wasn't easy. Like I see the back end of it and I know that wasn't easy, but it's so powerful to yeah. see what has transpired because of it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's your, and I appreciate you saying that because it was like, and I think the thing that I struggled with was, yeah, being judged from both communities, number one. And then number two, you know, just, I didn't want to make it about me but I wanted this to be a voice for other people. Like, you know me that I, 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 I never want it to be about me. I, mm-hmm. this, this is never about me. And it's, it's, 
and I think like that's why I, I I tend to struggle and why I don't sometimes use my voice is because I I, I don't want to be seen as like arrogant or like I'm making this about me because at the end of the day this is about the next George Floyd it's about the next Ahmad Aubrey it's about the next you know white person that that abuses another black person it's about mm-hmm. them and I think the whole time too like the reason why when it came down to like I almost did delete the video and, and take it down after I went live and you know I, I almost did um and even I didn't want to post it on Instagram I, I told you I was like I know I had I to post it yeah I was like, and like, truth be told, like she had to post it on Instagram because yeah. I, I was still feeling like I was still wrestling with it. I was still wrestling with being seen. Um, and I said, okay, like, I'm going to allow you to do it um, because right now I need to lean on you. I need, I need, I need your strength mm-hmm. um, because I don't have the strength to, I'm spent. Like I'm, yeah. I'm I gave all that I, I had. I, I literally gave everything that I had. Um, and the thing that, that made me not do it was because I made a vow that if I was going to be a leader at 16 years old, when I made that vow that I was going to be a leader and I was going to lead the way regardless of me, regardless of people trashing on me or hating on me or saying whatever they wanted to from each camp, I was going to lead because... I looked up, I could see my two boys' eyes. I could see the face of my two boys. And I wanted them. I didn't want them to feel the way that I felt growing up. I didn't want them to not feel like they had a voice. I wanted to fall on the sword for them and every other person after me and every other person that's out there to feel like they had a voice, even if it was just one person and I remember just thinking that TJ even if it's just one person even if it's just one person that this brings awareness to even if it's just one white person that can see your pain and makes them question and look internal of the biases that they have even if it's just one person that you cause to look inwardly and say, I have growing to do. That's a ripple. That's a ripple. And so I left it because I thought, well, if one person sees it, like one person, I know the power of one. I know that it may not happen in the next year. I know that it may not happen in the next 10 years. I know that it may not happen in the next 100 years. Like it has taken 400 years to get here. I know it may take another 400 years for just my voice, just one voice. But I kept looking and thinking of like my boys, like even if it was just them to say, hey, dad, dad sees you. I saw you. I see you. Even if they had that, if I died tomorrow, that they knew like my dad, he can relate to us. He can feel our pain. 
I thought, okay, like that's it, that's it. Like it's that's worth it to me. And I think now, like as I've talked about it more this week, and the messages that I've gotten, and you know, I've told you, like I'm just overwhelmed. Like I don't know what to say, in some ways, and and. You know, I've read every message, I've read every comment, I've I've read every share of people that have shared it. Um and, and it's been overwhelming. Um and again, like I haven't known what to say in some ways because you know that like I'm a humble person in that way, that like I kinda I can struggle sometimes with the attention being on me. Um and that's something as a leader that I've had to grow in. Mm-hmm. Um but I've I've seen it all I and I and I'm like I'm I'm grateful because I've I've gotten messages from other white people that have said like, "Wow, I have a lot of work to do," and I'm grateful that you were brave enough to speak so that I could look inwardly and realize like, I didn't think that I had these racist like tendencies, but from what you said, like you put such a personal account to it that it's made me think, mm-hmm. it's made me realize that like I have work to do. Yeah. And then I need to look at myself inwardly and I need to ask questions of myself and I need to I need to ask questions of how do I really look at people of color and what are the things that are that have been sown in me mm-hmm. and 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 take responsibility for it. Like I think that's the word that I've heard so much of like thank you for helping me see like I need to take more responsibility for my actions and my thoughts. Yeah. And I think that's my hope is that people take more responsibility for themselves. Yeah. And people keep asking, like I've had people ask, like, so then like what's next? And I think like it's you, number one, the first step is the awareness. And then the second step is adjusting your focus and then taking action. Like and and action is so many different things. It's it's having conversations. It's not just saying, hey, I see you, but it's taking it a step further and humbling yourself even more to open up the door for like raw conversations that make you feel uncomfortable having to listen to. It's getting educated on how deep-seated the systemic issues are that are breaded within our country. It's, it's really reading and studying, doing your own reading and studying of racism in America. Um, it's then doing your own reading and studying of the mind and the body and how trauma is 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 processed and how you need to deal with trauma because we've all experienced trauma both white and black and how to learn how to to deal with those things so that when it comes to a place where you find yourself wanting to react that you have tools that you know how to regulate your nervous system and and not respond from a place of fight or flight. Um, it's seeking help. It's taking the action of, of reaching out and investing in yourself. I mean, you know I've invested literally tens of thousands of dollars in my own healing mm-hmm. of therapy, of coaches, of books, of online courses, of going to conferences that have ripped me apart um, in good ways, emotionally, that have teared me down and built me back up. Um, it's it's those actions. And, and it's us needing to take those actions, both white and black people, because it's it's one thing to go out and protest. 
that that shit needs to happen. That does need to happen. But then it's having that uncomfortable conversations with people as well within your families as well. Mm-hmm. It's getting the help. Um, and that's the other thing that I want to say. Do you, you have a question? I, no, yeah, I think something I just want to touch on is as a white person, um, you know, something that I really want to encourage others that are listening to this that listen just listen I think it's something that was kind of like it hit me in the face like when I came back and apologized to you this past week because you had tried talking to me a couple times and I like did the whole maybe you should just stay off social media like I think it's too much for you it's just triggering your trauma like I think you just need to stay off of it and protect yourself instead of just shutting up and listening and I think you know we we talked about this earlier today but in our culture as a whole like as society we don't want to hear your stories it's too painful it's too hard to take a look at ourselves at the biases that we have it's too hard to acknowledge it it by no means is it hard like it's we're choosing to yeah you're choosing that that like it's too hard exactly because let's let's call a spade a spade that's not fucking hard what what the people of color have experienced in our country is hard but it it it's being humble and looking within and and for me like for me personally like it's been moment after moment after moment of like oh, fuck like here it is again like that's how it was in the shower like when i was taking a shower and just like my mind was racing and all of a sudden it hit me it's like Fuck, I've just been trying to fix him instead of just shut up and listen. Like, that's, I'm here to hold space. Like, I don't need to fix you. Like, I'm not going to fix you. Like, Mm -hmm. I need to be here for you. And I think as white people, we need to hold space for people of color. We need to just be and listen and seek to understand. Like, Mm -hmm. don't try to justify yourself or sugarcoat it or whatever like no just shut up and listen just listen because we don't understand like we're not gonna get it we won't we don't know what it feels like to walk in somewhere and feel unwanted and accused just because of the color of our skin like we don't know what that feels like and there's no way shape or form that we can try to fix you because we can't Mm -hmm. and I think as white people, like, we need to shut up and listen, number one. Like, I think that's something you said was just, like, listen and take our ego. Like, I think that's something else. Take your ego out of it. Like, I can't tell you how many times when you've been talking, I literally in my head say, ego, shut up, ego, shut up, ego, shut up. This is your ego. My ego, like, I, I take out. Don't take it personally, Dawn. This isn't about you. This isn't about you. Shut up. Like, but it's practicing that. Like, practicing, recognizing it's not about me. Like, this isn't about me. This isn't my fight. Like, I just need to be there to support. And luckily, like, I have you in my life to be that. But I can extend that to your family, to our friends that are of color. Like, and for those of that are white that are listening to this 
do you have any black friends? Take inventory. Like, how many black friends do you have? Don't take it personally. Like, don't be like, you know, oh, but I'm not, <coughs> I'm not racist. Like, you don't understand. Like, no, really take inventory of who you're surrounding yourself with. And ask why. And ask why, exactly. And it, and trust me, like, it's not. It's not to make you feel bad. No, but it's to it's open your eyes. Like, bring awareness to the reality. And. Yeah. To understand, like, that's where this change is going to come from. That's where we're really going to start to see the the shift in our culture when we as white people really open our eyes. Mm-hmm. When, when we as white people recognize, how do I react when a black man walks into a store? Yeah. How really, though? Like, really sit back and think about it. How mm-hmm. do I react? Because... There's the side of fear, but then there's the also the side I can raise my hand and admit. There's been times I'm like, oh, I smiled at that black man. I made him feel good. Like, okay, mm-hmm. that's like, I feel like that's just as like wrong. Yeah, you're like, like perpetuating it. Yeah, like, no, I, it's a human. Like, it's, it's a human. And it's constantly practicing that of like, when you go into a different area of like where your color is different like how are you acting when someone makes that joke or says that sly comment or says they don't see color where do you say Mm -hmm. where's your stance like what what do you believe and and i i for like i challenge you to force those conversations and stand up like stand up it's it's gotta take like a collectively from the white person the white perspective like to really take inventory of like I love that you said that like it's taking personal responsibility and I think it goes for the people of color and I think it goes for us as white people like to take inventory and really like it's time to really get raw and really start to question yeah. our biases our our racist tendencies mm-hmm. um so yeah. Yeah, and I, I wanna elaborate on that, what you just said there as well. You you've done a lot of inner work in the last six years, right? Like truth be told, Dawn used to make fun of me when I was doing a lot of my interpersonal work in the beginning. And now she's amazing because she's done so much of it herself and, and is in such a beautiful place. But I think I wanted to say that too is like you have the tools to recognize when you're triggered mm-hmm. and to then ask, well why? Why am I being triggered? What is it? And then what's my response? Mm-hmm. And that's where I think, you know, to your point to elaborate on it is pay attention to how you're triggered. Mm-hmm. And that's where I said, like, it's so important to do your inner work. Like, yeah. and if you don't know how to do that inner work and you don't know where to start, then I'm going to encourage if, if you don't like get help, yeah. hire a coach, hire a counselor, hire a therapist mm-hmm. and get taught because yeah. You no longer can be ignorant to it. Yeah. You no longer can be... If you're listening to this, I'm going to put a plug out there. This is what I do for my full-time job now. Like, this is what my career is, is working with people and helping them heal their their wounds and heal their self-limiting beliefs and learn how to process through that to then... This is work through. Careers. Yeah, this is what we do. <laughs> this is what we and so two years ago we made a leap and decided to commit our life to this yeah. to helping people. So and this isn't about like and that's the thing I've been afraid to like put it out there 
and like really like say like no this is this is what we do and but it is what we do and this isn't a plug to like work with us but this is just real i don't care if you don't because this is a very energetic like intimate thing that you need to be energetically aligned with somebody to do this work with them and so you need to find even if it's therapy counseling what counseling whatever find somebody mm -hmm. because there is every single one of us has things that we need to work through yeah. um, every single one of us has experienced trauma in some way and that's why I was saying, like, you need to see how it's triggering you. Yeah. Why it's triggering you. What's triggering you. And like you said, you just shut your mouth. Like, mm -hmm. just shut up and stop taking it personal. Like, yeah. it's not personal. Don't take it personal. Because when you take it personal, then you want to react instead of just listening. There's a different thing between hearing something and really listening to it. Listening, you will process it. And then there will be an adjustment and an action that will be something that will be different from... Yeah. the way you, you were going to respond to mm -hmm. it. And I want to challenge other people in there because you've done such a great job too of standing up for me in distancing yourself from certain family members and other people. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the other thing that I want to strongly emphasize that it starts with that. You're not fully changing until you're ready and able to be okay with losing certain people in your life. Mm. You're just not. And it's not easy. Trust me, it's not easy. I have continued to have to do it, and it's hard. I, I have lost many people in my life. Um, I have walked away from many people who I no longer associate with. Um, does not mean that I do not love them as a human being but I have to be very protective of my energy um, because I, I understand how important that is. Mm -hmm. I understand that I need to put on my face mask first before I can be anything more for anybody else. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's, I want to challenge other people. If you really are saying that you see me or that you see other people of color, or that, you know, you really are like trying to stand up, but you can't stand up to people in your own home and your own family you have more work to do. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, and I, I only bring that up because there's been people within our family that have like done the hush hush reaching out, but are still afraid to have the conversation mm -hmm. and who are still allowing, like supporting other people who are very much so like still saying things about people of color yeah. in negative ways. Yeah. And it's where I realized like, you just don't, I just, I, I don't have time for you. Like, yeah. I don't have time for you because I have other people that I need to give to. Yeah. I have my family that I need to give to. And I have, I need to put on my own oxygen mask. And, you know, when you, you said something else there that, yeah, you said something else there that I, I want to make sure that, that um, I hit on in why it's, it's so, the, the, the last piece that I, I, want to like emphasize it and i will say this we can do part two yeah if there's more can, like we can yeah we can do a part two i might be good yeah you guys have listened to over an hour <laughs> we love you yeah uh, i'm gonna I, end it there yeah. that i i am i will say that i want to end it here that i am so i am so like humbled i am so encouraged by so many of you reaching out and deciding 
in being aware, but then taking action of then actually taking steps that are uncomfortable for you. Because I have had so many people that have reached out, but then I've seen like actually take steps that I know are super uncomfortable for them Mm -hmm. to take steps to do that they haven't done before. And so I just want to say I am so damn proud of you um, for doing that and for continuing to do that and even just taking the steps to like reach out to me, which I know for some of you that's a big deal. Um, Keep stepping out, keep stepping in, keep going after this. This isn't just a one-time thing. Um, this isn't just a, 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 like right now, while people are protesting, it's in your face. This is continued. we got to get out there. You have to vote. You have to be involved in your local community. You have to do the inner work. Like these are all the next steps. You, you keep asking, what are the next steps? These are the next steps. Awareness, adjust your focus, take action, do the inner work, have difficult conversations, be quiet, listen You have a responsibility to do your own studying as well and take action, take action, take action, take action. Um, It doesn't stop here. Do your healing. Know that there are resources, there are people out there for you to heal and for you to get help from. Yeah. And I think the last thing I want to say too is like as we end this, we will do a part two for sure. Um, I would love feedback. Like what do you want to hear more of like for part two? Like what... What would be helpful? Because um, we, uh, clearly we love talking. <laughs> we don't know everything. I don't have all the answers. Yeah. Right? But like, but if there's things that you want to hear from us, like yeah. we are we are an open book. We share very raw and vulnerably and we would love your feedback and what will be helpful during this time. Yeah, so. because we are lifelong learners just like you are. Yep. I'm continuing to learn right with you. So we love y'all. We thank you for listening and we appreciate you. We see you. Love y'all. Peace. Peace.